Welcome to the College Park Church of Christ Sermon Series Podcast. This sermon was recorded at the College Park Church of Christ in the Conroe Porter area. Join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thanks for studying the Word of God with us. On Sunday, Jonathan did an excellent job of talking to us about resistance training. I thought it was a really good job of talking about the different aspects of resistance training. I appreciated the words that he had to say, and tonight we're going to take the principles that he talked about and dive into them a little bit more and talk about the application. One of the first things that he talked about when it came to resistance training not only was to define what it was, but was also to define what that looks like in a spiritual setting. Um, the fo- resistance training in and of itself is a form of exercise that's intended to strengthen and to in- increase your muscular strength by using some sort of resistance. It can be bands, resistance bands. It can be uh, weight with weight lifting. It could be your own body weight. Just some sort of resistance that causes muscular strength to occur. You can't get that by pushing on air. You've got to have something pushing against you to be able to have that muscular growth. When it comes down to it, what we're talking about is the willingness to be tested, a willingness to be trained, and being challenged. That's what resistance is, is it's a challenge to you. The weights that are on that bar right there is a challenge to the person who is going to lift those things. It's not just a, oh, I walk up, it's there, I can do it. It's a challenge to them. It's not supposed to be easy. Many times, though, we look at weightlifting, we look at resistance as a bad thing. (laughs) We look at it as don't be the person that's resistance. We look at the resistance itself and say, no, that's wrong. We get comfortable with where we're at. We get comfortable and complacent. I don't need to lift that. It's really not needed. I can agree. There's really no point to lifting that in and of itself. Put simply, we get weak. We choose weakness over challenge. We choose weakness over resistance because it's easier. And he challenged us. He asked us, are we willing to be tested? Are we willing to be trained? Are we willing to be challenged to push, a, push against incorrect biblical teaching? Are we willing to resist sin? We like to focus on a lot of these aspects in individual pieces, but when we talk about resistance, we're talking about all of those things combined. Because to be challenged, you better be challenging your sin in your life. You better be challenging the beliefs that you hold so dear to yourself and know that those are true according to the Bible, not because your parents told you so, not because somebody else told you so, your pastor, that you, you didn't do the work yourself, as Landon said. You didn't do the study. You just want somebody to tell you what to believe. That's not okay. Do the effort. Put the effort in. Challenge yourself. 
You better be willing to resist sin. And to do that, you need to be trained on how to resist. You need to train yourself. Have others help you in that training, but train yourself on how to push against those things. When we come down to it, he broke it into three different areas. Embracing the challenge of a daily disciplined lifestyle. Accepting admonishment when we're talking about the spiritual life. Accepting its admonishment. It also occurs in the gym as well. I have been on the receiving of that, uh, end of that many times. As well as challenging each other. Those are the components that Jonathan brought out to us on Sunday. And those are some of the areas that we're going to talk about this evening. And we're going to talk about a practical application of these pieces. Not just in theory, but in actual practice. What does that look like? And a majority of our area that we're going to stay in is going to be the daily discipline. Because when it comes to resistance training, the second two points are going to happen at some point in your life. At some point in your life, you're going to, if you are doing the first, you are going to encounter the others. So where you need to focus and start is by creating a daily disciplined lifestyle. Creating in yourself the, the endurance, the ability to resist, to train your body to push against something. And the only way you do that is by training certain aspects of your life. We're going to talk about, uh, well, let's, let's first read 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 7 and 8. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having having promise of the life that that now is and of that which is to come. Before we talk about the concept of daily discipline and the different aspects we're going to talk about, I want to consider the fact that we need to embrace that challenge. We need to embrace the fact that life is not easy as a Christian, and it should not be. If it is, you are doing it wrong. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise as a, as a physical body profits a little bit, It does help, keeps you healthy physically, but godliness is a more important aspect of that. And in that, there are three different areas we're going to talk about when it comes to the daily discipline, prayer, study, and fasting. Now, when it comes to these things, we've we've talked about these throughout the the entire uh, series of studies when when we talk about the eight weeks of the better body. We've talked about these in some form or fashion. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about study. I think we've touched on a little bit about on fasting. I think we've talked on a little bit. But how? If you're going to apply these daily to your, how are you going to do that? It's great in theory to say, okay, you've got to pray more. Cool story. You've got to study more. Fantastic. I like the idea. You've got to fast. <laughs> Not so great about that. But you got to do it. Okay. 
We like the idea of saying this is what we're going to do, but when it comes down to it, when we've got to push and actually force ourselves to do it, we struggle in those areas. I struggle in those areas. I struggle in prayer. In resistance training, in the idea of daily discipline, you should be praying consistently and constantly in your life. Absolutely, amen. How? How? The disciples of Jesus had the same question. We're talking about Jewish men who knew the concept of prayer and what it meant to talk to their God. We're not talking about Gentiles who have millions of gods and they just talk to whoever. We're talking about Jews and they say, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. You may find yourself in those shoes where you're saying, I know I need to pray, but how? We're going to talk about that. Practically, how do you pray? The concept of prayer is there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, after, and this is mixing the story I know, or mixing the books at least, but the story is the same. The, apostles, the, the, the disciples ask, how do you pray? And Jesus responds with this answer and goes through the Lord's Prayer. We say that prayer. We know that prayer. We have our kids memorize that prayer. But do we understand the components to that prayer that make it an appeal to God? This is why prayer is so important, because first off, in the components of a prayer, you praise him first and foremost in that prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I am praising you first and foremost because I am putting you in a place of superiority to me and in reverence, and I am praising you. When it comes to your prayer life, start there. If that's the only thing you say, you've done a good thing. You've said, God, you are amazing. I praise you. The second thing you do is you surrender. Your, my, your will be done. God's will be done. You are surrendering your own will. You're putting what you want below him and what he needs in your life. Then you put your petitions into the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us or sin against us. Deliver us from the evil one. All the petitions, all the things we ask for, the things that we are really praying about, if you will, the things that we want done for us, the things that we want said to God, that happens here. If you struggle in your prayer life, think about these things. And when you close your prayer, whenever you're done, at the end of your day, whatever prayer you're making, praise God again. Praise Him again and say thank you. I have laid out my heart to you. Now praise you. I'm going to praise you again. Your kingdom come. For yours is the power and yours is the glory forever. Amen. You want to know how to pray? Follow the Lord's prayer. Follow the com components of, a, of this prayer. Now, that doesn't mean every single prayer has to be in a, an hour long because you're going through each line item individually over and over again. That prayer can be real short. God, I need you. God, I know you can help me. God, I need your help. Please help me. Amen. You're doing all of those things in that prayer. It doesn't have to be long. 
And the concept of prayer should be happening all the time. Ephesians chapter 6 says, pray always with all prayer and supplication. Pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5. Evening, morning, and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Are you using those components of a prayer to talk to God all the time? Consistently in your life. That should be part of your daily discipline, part of the pushing against all the things that go on in your life. Part of the exercise of working your life. There's a purpose behind it, and we'll get to that in a minute. But you are, you are practicing these things consistently in your life, no matter what. Because guess what? It can be time-based when you pray. Every time you wake up, doesn't have to be anything going on, but you're praying to God saying, thank you for letting me wake up. <laughs> thank you for letting me have a bed to sleep in. Thank you for letting me have this meal. Thank you for whatever it is that's going on in your life at that time. It could be a thank you. It can also be a, a situational-based prayer that you need to have in your life. You are struggling in a sin. You are struggling with doubt in your life. You're struggling with a death in your family. You're struggling with whatever it is. Pray to deal with that struggle. Using those components of prayer, praise, surrender to God, petition whatever you need, then praise Him again and close the prayer. Use those things as you deal with anything in your life. Because when the big things come up, what is your response? Is it to hit your knees in prayer or is it to fight? When the big things in life happen and you are caught in sin that you cannot fight, do you choose to continue to fight on your own or do you hit your knees in prayer because you have made it a part of your daily discipline to pray? What about study? Is study a daily discipline in your life? Embrace that challenge of making it part of your daily discipline. You know, Ezra, in Ezra chapter 7, said he prepared his heart to seek the law. He prepared and chose to embrace the challenge of preparing and getting ready to receive and seek after things in the, in the law. And then also to do those things that he found therein. That was his decision to make. That was his daily choice of discipline that he made in his life. Are we asking God to give us understanding in our study? Not just to go through the motions, but to give us understanding so I can know what it is that I need to do in life. When it comes to the decisions that I make about my job, the decisions that I make about my family, the decisions that I make about how we worship, do we know those things and know those through understanding because we have asked God, we have studied his word, and we know it. Because if we know it, we can observe it with all of our heart. Practically, how do you study? How? Do you just read the Bible straight through? Does that work that way? It may, to at least get you to know the information, but whether you understand it or not is a totally different story. 
These are some things that I thought of as practical ways to study. Read. First and foremost, read the Bible. If you're not reading, you're not going to do any of the other stuff. Start with reading the Bible. Use the five W's with everything you study. What am I talking about? Who, what, when, where, why, or how. Why or how, you, it's interchangeable. <laughs> Use those in your study. For example, let's take Ezra and his law. Who is Ezra? Where was Ezra? What time frame was Ezra? Why was he saying those things? Where was he? You start creating a full picture and you start actually understanding what you're reading. It's more than just Ezra said he wanted to read the law. Great story. Why did he say he wanted to? Because the people were not following God. They were coming back from captivity and they needed to know what God wanted for them as a children of Israel. Do you know what that, what that does is it takes that piece of verse and expounds and makes it mean a whole lot more, doesn't it? When you know what's around it and you study Meditate on the scriptures and the study material. Don't just read. Meditate on those things. Use those things and keep them in your head and keep thinking about them. Use a strong concordance. Last time I said that, I said concordance, but that's concordance. Use computer resources. You know, eSword is a great tool. If you don't know what that is, ask some, one of the uh, teachers in the audience. I'm pretty sure everybody uses that or some form of that program. eSword is a great tool because it has a lot of different pieces to it. eSword has the Bible itself. It has all the books listed off on the side. It's got a, a commentary. You can, you can purchase or you can have free commentaries that go with it. You can have a, the strong coordinates, concordance down there that tells you where, what the actual word is. And then you can take notes on what your thoughts are, what you have in there. It's a great tool. Use the internet very, 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 very cautiously. You can read a whole lot of false stuff on there, so be very careful on how you use the internet. Make sure you know sources. Make sure you know what the beliefs are of the sources that you are, you are looking at and reading. Don't just take it for what it says. Commentary the same way. You can use a book commentary. You can use the, the commentary in eSword. Still the same thing. It's man's interpretation of what, what the Bible says. Use it, again, with caution. It's their interpretation. And lastly, write down your studies. In Deuteronomy, it says to write those things. Write the law, not only on your heart, but write the law. Learn it. For me, writing things down helps me memorize and helps me understand what I'm reading. Create a study plan. Practical application again. Create a study plan. Don't just say, I'm going to do it. Cool. You said you're going to do it, but how? Create a study plan. Do it chronologically. Go through the Bible and look for where they make a chronological Bible. They also make tools for you to learn how it lines up chronologically, then read through it that way. Look at the Old Testament. Read and study the Old Testament as a whole piece so you can understand what the mosaical uh, dispensation and all of those areas were like. You can learn that piece and then move on to another piece. 
Create a plan is my point. It doesn't matter how. Just create a plan. Don't just go into it and do it. Have a purpose. Maybe you want to do it topographically. Topically. I don't know if I said that right either. Grace, love. (laughs) I'm coming up with all sorts of words today. Um, Just pick a topic that you would like to study. Use a strong concordance to find all the places that that word is found and, and, and understand those things. Have a process in which you do the studying. A time managed study. Let's say you've got a topic or a piece of the Bible that you want to study. Spend five minutes reading that piece, then 20 to 30 minutes or however long you want to spend researching and meditating and really thinking about it, writing things down, whatever it is, and then come up with an application for yourself at the end of it. What does it matter if you read through it and don't apply it to yourself? Every study should have some application to you, to what we need in our life. Maybe you need a reading process. Brother Jerry has a great process, and I love it. Do I use it? No, unfortunately. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do on a lot of this, the, these areas. This is why this is, I'm, honestly, if you can tell, the passion's coming out again because this is something I struggle with, and I know that about myself. And the study through this has brought a lot of that to light again. He reads a chapter, and let me... Correct me if I'm wrong, okay, please. He reads a chapter out of the Old Testament. He reads a chapter out of the Gospels. He reads one of the Psalms or Proverbs. And then he also reads a chapter out of the New Testament. He does that every time he reads. And if you do that every time you read, you're going to get through the whole Bible first off. You're going to understand the Gospels, which is the foundation to your belief in God, should be. You're going to know how daily practical living should apply to your life, Psalms and Proverbs. And then also you should know how the church applies to you and how you live in the church. And know that information. All of those pieces work together. And if you also follow the management, the time management side of it where you are reading, applying, and, or reading, researching, and applying. And all that together, you are going to learn, you are going to grow, you are going to create resistance training. You're going to create discipline in your life, daily discipline. Now, fasting is one that I'm going to spend a little time on. This is a tool I do not use enough. It is a tool that has got a tool that has gotten me through a lot of stuff that I have had to fix in my life, but I still don't use it enough. <laughs> Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. You have a struggle in life that you can't seem to kick, and you need help turning to God fast. When I would fast in the past, (laughs) I used it as just a checklist item. I did it just to do it because I was told to, or the elder, one of my elders said, it's a good idea. Okay, I'll stop eating for a little bit. Not saying that was every time, I'm just saying that that thought process has gone through my head. That's not what God wants. In the day of your fasting, you find pleasure. Okay, I'm going to fast. Look at me. Yay, I'm a Pharisee. 
That's what that's talking about. In the day of your fast, you're finding pleasure. Oh, look at all the sorrow I'm suffering. Look at me. You think God has pleasure in just the fact that you afflicted your soul for a day? Good job. Congratulations. You think that's what God's after? Just the process of not eating? Spreading out sackcloth and ashes, being sorry for yourself. That's not what God's asking you to do. Would you call that a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Just going through the motions of a fast? Do you think that's acceptable? No. That's not what he wants. When you're dealing with a struggle in life and you're just going through the motions of fast, all you're doing is perpetuating your problem even more. I'm going to hide my problem behind something that I'm going to do through the motions. And make myself feel good. Reasons for fasting. Sin and struggle. If you have a sin struggle in your life, turn to God with fasting. Maybe you're mourning. Maybe you are suffering inside. Maybe you have something going on in your heart. That's weighing you down fast. Put yourself in a state of vulnerability. Because that's what you're doing. And dependence on God. When you make big decisions in your life, do you choose to fast? Interesting thought, isn't it? When they appointed elders in every church, they did it with prayer and fasting. That's a big decision. Who's going to be leading a congregation? The apostles fasted before they made that decision and prayed. Maybe it's an elder called purpose. I'm stretching a little bit. I'm saying that right now. But I believe that there's principle here in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra was one of the priests who was in charge of the children of Israel. And he said, I proclaim to fast there at the river of Ahava, Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God and seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all of our possessions. Ezra called a fast for the entire group of people that were, was coming from Babylon going back to Jerusalem. He said, we are going to fast. And the purpose was so that they would know the right way for them and their family. That was the purpose. The elders can call a fast. Are we willing to discipline ourselves and follow their lead and do those things? It can also be used for exercising self-control. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, no wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till the whole, three whole weeks were fulfilled. A concept of anointing himself was literally he did not take a bath for three weeks. The man put himself in a state of vulnerability and disgust and humiliation for three weeks. To exercise self-control, it could have been real easy as Daniel, number two or three in the kingdom of Babylon, to say, forget this, give me some chocolate or whatever. Give me the best 
roast pig you have. I'm done. Well, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have done that. <laughs> How many of y'all know Jews don't eat pork? <laughs> Give me the best meat possible. He could have done that, but he didn't. He chose to exercise self-control. He fasted from those things for three weeks. I can't go three hours without saying I'm hungry. Those are reasons for fasting, but there's also different ways that you can do a fast. Timed fasts. That's, that's a concept that should be applied to every one of those. I didn't know how to put it on there, but a fast should be timed of some kind. You can't indefinitely fast. You will die. You can do an eight-hour fast, which is just kind of like daylight time, and choose to not eat anything or drink anything or whatever it is in that time frame. You can do a 12-hour fast, 24-hour fast, three days. You can do a week in certain ways of this fast. And I'm telling you, when you use this tool, you will get a headache. You will not have fun. You will want to eat. You will want, you will want all of those things. But that's not the purpose. You are not trying to do those things. Instead, every time you feel those desires, you pray. You draw closer to God. You use those times that you want to eat. You want to fuel yourself to grow closer to God. Pray and put yourself in a vulnerable position. I can't tell you the amount of times I've broken down and cried because I've put myself in that kind of situation. And I needed it. I needed it because I was unwilling when I could keep my belly full to, to even acknowledge my flaws. Unwilling because I did not exercise self-control, did not put myself in a position of struggle, of vulnerability, whatever it was that kept me from saying, I need God. I need God now while I'm fasting, and I need God when I'm struggling in my sin. That is the purpose of fasting. That is how it is daily disciplined for you, resistance training for you. Because guess what? When big things happen in your life, how are you going to deal with it? When big things happen in your life, and you can't handle fasting for a Short period of time. You can't handle putting yourself in a struggle for a short period of time. How are you going to deal with the big things when it matters? The purpose of fast is to reduce the bounds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to share, to be generous with what you have, to bring people into your home, to build relationships Come closer together with people. Fasting doesn't always have to be done by yourself. You find a camaraderie with people when you do it with others, knowing that they're suffering with you. Jonathan used this verse and is now becoming very quickly one of my favorite verses. You have run with the footmen and they have wearied you. Then how can you contend with horses? And if the land of peace in which, you are, in which you trust they wearied you, then how would you be able to, how, then how will you do in the floodplains of the Jordan? To give context, war was done with foot soldiers and cavalry. 
If you can't even handle foot soldiers coming up to your gates, how are you going to handle people on horses? That's what he's saying. You get tired talk, dealing with this. How are you going to deal with something harder in your life? You can't handle these things. If you can't handle the little things, if you can't pray, if you can't study, if you can't fast in your life and you choose not to do those things, how are you going to handle when people come into your life and want to tear the church down? How are you going to handle it when people come into, the, into your life and commit all sorts of atrocities against your family? How are you going to handle that? Are you going to hit the ground and hit your knees or are you going to run off? Resistance training matters. Practical application of those resistant training tools matter. Accepting admonishment. I'm going to throw all these together in one. Within each one of these, Jonathan spoke to the fact as knowledge, if you love discipline, if you choose discipline, want to be a person of discipline, you are going to love knowledge. You're going to choose knowledge. It means you don't know everything. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Don't act like it. <laughs> be willing to be wrong. It happens. You will be wrong. Be willing to accept the admonishment and knowledge that may be provided to you. In spirit, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. If everything I'm saying to you is making you your hackles, if you're getting real mad at me right now, that's fine. You can do that. But I would suggest let's take a re-look. If everything I'm saying to you is wrong, everything that I've been saying is out of the Bible so far. I've said a few things wrong. (laughs) I'm not going to act like I haven't. Renew a right spirit. Maybe we need to look inside of ourselves and say, maybe I need to fix something here. My heart's not right. Actions. We may need to, at some point, withstand somebody to their face. Or be the person that has somebody stand up in our face. Those times will come. Those times need to happen. Not every, everyone is not right all the time. Be willing to withstand somebody that are faced when they are wrong. Because if you don't, if you don't, so that even Barnabas was carried away in their hypocrisy, If Paul had not stood up to Peter and let the Jew, all the Jews that were with Peter, Barnabas, who was working with Paul and saw all the work happening in Galatia, happening all over the Gentile world, was carried away in his hypocrisy. He was pulled away into falsehood. Be willing to stand up. And if you get stood up to in your face, (laughs) be swift to hear, slow to speak. I struggle with that. It's really easy for the wrath of man to come out when somebody comes up in my face and yells at me and tells me I'm wrong. Because that's the first thing that I want to do. 
is yell back and say, no, I'm right, you're wrong. But the wrath of man does not produce righteousness anywhere. In me, in the other person, anywhere. And instead, take a look at ourselves. Look within yourself and say, are you accepting the admonishment? Is there some truth to what is being said? Even if it's 10%, own that 10% and fix it. Because resistance training only helps when we're able to challenge each other. The training aspect of that only gets better and better when we're able to challenge each other. If we're unwilling to be challenged, we're not going to get any better. We're going to get weaker. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, I should be able to have a conversation with somebody else, and they should be able to have a conversation with me and have that conversation in a way, yes, we're going to get mad at each other. Yes, we're going to have that argument. Yes, we're going to, whatever it is, and challenge each other biblically, appropriately, correctly, and godly. Yes. With the goal to admonish and choose wisdom. He talked about unilateral training, which is basically training one muscle group. Tell me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. I'm obviously not the greatest uh, example of that, but it's any strength training exercise that involves one limb, sorry, one limb at a time. One limb at a time. So one leg, one arm, whatever. An interesting aspect of that that he brought out was that when you train one limb, the other limb somewhat gets stronger as well. There's application that we're going to get to in one moment, but I want us to notice this piece. It is important that you continue with a structured strength training program as your recovery outcomes are better. What does that mean? What does that, how does that apply here? Just because you see a flaw and a mistake in somebody else doesn't give you the right to not do your job. Just because somebody else makes mistakes does not give you the right to, I'm done. Because then the whole body starts getting weaker. Because just maybe your continued effort, your continued desire to stay with that structured daily discipline of fasting, praying, studying, doing all the right things that you're supposed to do helps that brother who's failing. And strengthens them. Brother, if a man be overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. For if any one thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one examine his own work, then he will have rejoicing in him then he will have rejoicing in him himself alone and not in another. For we, each one shall, be, shall bear his own load. 
the focus points that I want to see is if you are spiritual, if you want to be that person who is helping others, you sure as, you can't do that. You can't do that if you don't have a structured, daily, disciplined life. You can't. How are you going to help somebody if you don't even have the structure in your own life to, to show them the example? If you don't have the credibility in your own life, how are you going to teach somebody else? How are you going to restore somebody else if you're not doing it yourself? Examine your works. Are you doing these things? Are you doing these things? Are you praying with the components of prayer? Are you fasting? Are you using that tool? Are you studying, doing it in a way that's effective to you? Whatever that is, I'm just giving an example here. Are you doing those things? If you're not, how do you expect to restore somebody? How do you expect to lead somebody in that way to bring them back? If you can't tell them what to do, help them with what they should do. Compound resistance training is made up of strength training that exercises mirrored limbs working together. So like a bench press or a, a squat or deadlift. Yes. And the purpose of that is to grow both of those limbs, both of those body parts together. And a compound mood, it's interesting about a compound mood, it not only works the two limbs, but it also works other things that are attached between the two limbs. Everything gets worked. And things, your muscles are built. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ. According to the effective working by each and every part. When it does its share. How do we do that? Perfect example of how we do that. How many of us, how many of our congregation took that home and actually did it? The challenge was put out there. Do it. The compound exercise was put in front of you. The deadlift bar was set right in front of you. Did you take opportunity and lift? Or did you say, that's too heavy, I'm not doing it? My initial reaction, that's too heavy, I'm not doing it. But that's arrogance, pride, and all sorts of other stuff that needs to be put down. Always pursue that which is good. In all things, even when we're challenged, when we're, things are put in front of us in a challenging way or whatever, don't look at that in an evil light and look back at that person. I'm going to look at you evil or in an evil way. <laughs> I'm not going to be passive aggressive. I'm going to be passive aggressive to you because you were passive aggressive to me or you were full on evil to me, whatever it is. But pursue what is good. I could look at Jerry and say, how dare you? How dare you question my Christian qualities? I could say that. I won't. <laughs> I could say that, though, if I truly did not want the challenge and truly wanted the easy way out. I could say those things. And I have said those things to others. 
That is not right. I have rendered evil for evil. In fact, not only do I say, how dare you, I look at that person and say, how dare you, and I'm never talking to you again. Pursue what is good. Look at yourself. Reevaluate. Fix it. Fix those things. And pursue what is good. If you know you need to fix it, fix it. That's what it means. Pursue what is good. You know you need to fix something in your life. Do it. For both yourself and for all. Not just in here, but for everyone in this audience. Correction was the last piece of this. Jonathan, or, well, thinking of Jonathan saying, looking at you, sorry. James is going to talk about avoiding injury when he gets up. And a piece of that is Matthew chapter 18. When a body part is hurt. He said I could use it, so I'm going to try to keep it short. But moreover, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained a brother. We like to not do that a lot. <laughs> we like to go gossip to others about the, what somebody did to me or what somebody did to somebody else. We like to evil surmise and say a whole lot of bad stuff about other people around us, but won't say it to their face. If you've got a problem with somebody, if you've got a problem with somebody, this is, I have all of these things. Like I said, the reason the passion's coming out is because these are flaws that I have. These are problems that I have to fix. If you have something wrong with somebody, else, with somebody go talk to that person. Deal with it. Passive aggressiveness never works. Go figure. You never deal with the problem. If he hears you, there's a component to that that the other person is also trying to fix the problem themselves. If they don't, you've done your job. But let's say they do. If you do, you have gained a brother. You have restored a relationship. You have fixed what was broken. You have mended the body. I'm going to stop there. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. As iron sharpens iron, so, man, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. One thing that I'm going to leave you guys with this evening. There was a point this year where I was gone five or six Wednesdays in a row. Went to the gym on, I think it was on a Monday or something, I don't know. It's been so far and few between. Uh, went to a gym on a Monday. And there were some jokes going around. We were talking about some, something funny. Somebody did something on a Sunday morning, and I was poking fun at somebody. And I, It was Michael. I was poking fun at Michael. He said something. <laughs> and his retort back was, well, at least I've been at church on Wednesday. Ask me if I like that. <laughs> I was not happy. 
but the wounds of a friend are faithful. He didn't say it just out of, out of oh, I'm just going to say this to him because it's a jab. There was some truth to that statement. Dude, what's so important that you're missing five Wednesdays in a row? That convicted me. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But if nobody ever says a thing to you, you may want to relook at that. They may be your enemy. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Iron sharpens iron. We make ourselves stronger. We can put up and deal with a lot of stuff that Satan and the world's going to throw at us if we put these things into practice, if we embrace challenges, if we accept the admonishment and challenge each other to be better. Don't accept that I'm okay where I'm at. Fix it and be better. And create an endurance training process in your life that will make the body of Christ here better and stronger. I hope that what I've said to you this evening has been something that's been beneficial. It's been very much needed in my own life and things that have helped me and really refocused a lot of things in my life. I hope it will do the same for you. We don't know the hearts of anybody in this audience. You may have some of the problems that I have and am dealing with. The church is a body and wants to help. When one body part helps and lifts, the other side gets a little bit stronger. You may be the one that needs to get a little bit stronger because somebody else is lifting the load for you. We can make that happen. Maybe you want to join the body of Christ to become a member of the, member of the family. Please come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation. Thanks for joining our sermon series podcast today. For more, check us out on YouTube or come worship with us on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings.